Welcome everyone to a new episode of Movies and Brews, where we talk movies and we drink some brews. Oh wait, did I steal your part? You totally did. Oh, well, I'm in charge now. That's Daniel the uh, line stealer over there. But welcome though, yeah, new episode here, pretty excited. We're doing our very first throwback episode, talking some 1989 Batman and 92 Batman Returns, starring Michael Keaton, directed by Tim Burton. So, sit back. Relax, grab a drink, and light that signal. That's right. Well, before we get started here, let's talk about what we are drinking. So this week is Jordan's week to bring us something for beer and tell. So Jordan, what'd you bring us? So I got this stuff called Scorpion Scorpion Bowl IPA by Stone Brewing. They are located in Richmond, Virginia. And yeah, let's give it a taste. Country Road, West Virginia. Oh. Oh. Yuck. Eww, that's not that good. It's. Mm. Oh, wow. That is bitter. It's, yeah, it's very dry, bitter. Not, not liking that. Oh, wow. Oh wow, yeah, that's that's uh, that's interesting. Yeah, woo! Thanks for uh, thanks for that, Jordan. I mean, you didn't know. You were taking a chance. Sometimes you're not gonna hit gold. I took a chance, you know. I figured you get something at Target. What could go wrong? Multiple things. They don't have a good beer selection. <laughs> All right. Well, probably won't be having them on the show again as far as brand. Well, okay. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's let's uh, move on here. Other than the two movies we're about to talk about today, I didn't see anything outside of those. Unless you want to hear me talk about the uh, season finale of season seven of Beverly Hills 90210. No. No, I'm okay. Okay. Uh, and the only movie I watched was I watched Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse on Blu-ray at my house this week. And still pretty great. This is the third time I've seen this movie. So I saw it twice in theaters, and this is the first time I've seen it on one of the many, many home viewings that it is going to happen. But it still holds up. We were testing out our new surround sound system at home, and it's a great movie because they have all that really cool hip-hop music and stuff going on with all the visuals. I want to see it. It turned out pretty good, and the movie sounds pretty great with all that stuff set up. Cool. So, yeah, I can't, wait, awesome. I can't wait to watch that again. Oof, I know. It was a good one. I know. I'm, I, like I said, I'm just going to watch it all the time. It's okay. a very feel-good movie, and it's very fun. Okay, well, moving on then. Let's get into some movie news here and just talk about what's going on in the movie world. we got like probably a week and a half of worth of catching up in that area. Yeah, so do you want to start with the trailers? Yeah, why don't we start with trailer talk? There's uh, been a couple big ones that have dropped this week. Yeah, a couple big bombs. Not all of them great bombs. Uh, the first one that we're going to talk about is, you've seen the memes, you've seen it all over Twitter, you've seen it all over YouTube, Sonic the Movie Trailer, starring Jim Carrey and whoever the hell plays Sonic and Cyclops. And I gotta say, I know it's, (laughs) I know it's, whatever you put on screen to make a talking, standing hedgehog, blue blue hedgehog, come to life. It's going to look weird. But 
it's still so off-putting to look at it. And I don't know if I want to look at it for an hour and a half. Yeah, he's... I don't think he was terrible looking like some people are saying, but he could look better. He could look a lot better, which also, we can roll that into this, because... Like, there was such a backlash to this trailer, and people did not like the design, and people kept posting their own redesigns of Sonic. And I saw a couple that were really good that make it look, like, with the same textures and stuff, it makes it look better. But even the director said, hey, we're going to change the look of Sonic before the movie comes out. There's, like, the movie comes out in five months. Yeah, well... So, like, they can't do any major overhauls, and that really only gives it, like, maybe two months for them to fix anything. I can't imagine they would have more time than that. Mm. But it's just, I don't know. It's crazy. It's just, I, I can't imagine they're able to actually do anything. I'm surprised they even said that they would do anything. Well, I mean, they're going to try. I, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's it didn't look horrible, but it just it's still kind of strange. I'm more concerned, like, what the hell is this movie even going to be about plot-wise? Like, it just, the things in the trailer going on just kind of look ridiculous. Jim Carrey was kind of funny. And I really like uh, his look at the very end of the trailer. That was cool. Yeah, where he actually looked like Dr. Robotnik. Would be really cool if he looked like that halfway through the movie and was like the look was that look through the rest of the movie and not just at the very end kind of thing. Like I got a feeling that it might even be a post credit sequence. I don't think so. I mean, they showed it at the end of the trailer, which makes me hope that it'll happen at least half at the halfway point. Because that's not something you would have wanted to give away until the ending. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully, yeah, like I said, halfway through, that would look be, that would be cool. Yeah, but it's just like I don't know. There's just been a lot of backlash. You've seen it. Yeah, well, yeah. I think one other thing people are pointing out too is like he can run, you know, supersonic speeds and can dodge missiles and yet can't dodge a dart. Yeah, exactly. Like this is the leaps in logic. It's just one of the things that you have to like. All right, well, this is especially. Because I'm, what, I'm 25, and this movie is not aimed at me, which makes sense. It looks like a very little kid movie. Well, yes and no. See, it's like, do kid, does this, so you have to, is this game even around anymore? Oh, yeah, they've made like 60 Sonic games. Okay. Okay, so maybe not that, like 30 or 40. So kids know what Sonic is then. This isn't like a 90s thing that kids these days would be like, I don't know what that is. Sonic has never been as big as what he was in the 90s, but he's still been around. Like there was a Sonic cart, like a new Sonic cartoon when I was a kid. Oh, okay. That I watched on Saturday mornings. Okay. So, but it does definitely look like it was aimed at kids. But uh, yeah, I guess that's my concern. It's like it's aimed at kids, but yet the people that are going to remember him are people in their 30s. Exactly. That grew up in the 90s. So I thought that would be like, play on the nostalgia. Why aren't you using like more of like the nostalgic design or something similar to that while also bringing in the kids? Because so. you'd be able to bring in both of them with the design of Sonic for the older people and then just like the type of movie for well, the this kind of thing kids. too. If you're going to do a Sonic movie, do it right. Why didn't they design them to look just like the cartoon to begin with? I, I, I don't know. I would like to meet the horrible people that they focus, focus tested that design on who said, yeah, that looks fine. Right. <laughs> but I digress. I mean, it's been over a week. I'm kind of, kind of not as, I wasn't really upset. It's just weird looking. I just, it's weird. Yeah. I mean, I have my doubts on this movie in general, so. It's but we're still going to go see it. Yeah, might as well. And we're going to go fast, fast, fast out of the theater. <laughs> no, that was bad. <laughs> anyway, so... Not as bad as that design. Well, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it couldn't be worse than Pacific Rim. 
or Aquaman, I'm sure. But anyway, so uh, the second trailer that came out, which I guess spoiler alerts for Endgame, but Spider-Man, or not Homecoming, Spider-Man Far From Home trailer came out just a couple days ago. Yeah, I was pretty excited. I saw a rumor online that it was coming out on Monday, like the day before. And then sure enough, I wake up and there it is. I'm like, sweet. Boom. So, you know, this starts, I've read that this starts like almost minutes, hours after the end of Endgame. Oh, cool. So it's like directly coming off of like the events of Endgame. Um, like I said, spoilers, you know. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know if we'll give too much away, but if you haven't seen Endgame yet, fast forward a minute or two. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, yeah, it starts out with Peter Parker back in high school. All of his friends are the same age, so we're all going to assume that they got snapped out and then snapped back in. Yeah, I don't know. It, like it, The movie looks cool. I did like that they gave us a better look at Mysterio mm-hmm. um, with Jake Gyllenhaal, which I think his design is cool. Like they, When they said Mysterio, I'm like, there's no way they're keeping the fishbowl. Like, wouldn't that look too cheesy? But they kept looks the awesome. fishbowl. Which, because my experience with Mysterio is straight out of the 90s Spider-Man cartoon, and I loved that. I, I mean, they, they've changed the design a little bit, but still keep, like, most of the same color concepts. I don't know. I, I think it looks really cool I, I still. I think the, the design looks good to me. And I'm just still really curious, because now they're introducing the multiverse into the MCU, which opens up live-action Spider-Verse with Miles Morales, Spider-Gwen, and all those other Spider-Men. And Spider-Pig! And Spider-Pig, yeah. Woo! Spider Pig. I would kind of love to see a Spider Man noir movie. <laughs> that would be awesome. Well, I mean, he's got that like black and white costume in the trailer. Maybe that's Spider Man noir coming to our dimension. Who knows? Uh, I doubt it, but who knows? And, and it looks like more of a tactical suit. But I don't I know. know. They're, they're, they're saying, you know, once all these snaps happened, and uh, yeah, supposedly it opened up to new dimensions, and here we are with the Mysterio coming out of a different dimension. Because I say he's from Earth, but from a different time or different or dimension. Or like a different dimension, like a, yeah. a parallel universe, I guess. Still thinks he's going to ha- have somewhat been trained in the uh, mystic arts that Doctor Strange was trained in. Because that, yeah, that's one of the things I noticed from the first trailer is that like the triangles and how they present like magic, he's like, sh- it, it looks like that's what he's using, whether that's just illusions or not. I'm not sure yet, but I would, because they present him as a good guy, like an ally in the trailer, which I was surprised about, but I'm like, okay, well, it's Mysterio, like, he's tricky, but I also saw a fun little, like, fan theory that maybe this is a good guy, and then the, I forget his name, but something Beck, like, Quentin Beck, Quentin Beck, like, from the, our, like, the original MCU is gonna, like, assume his identity and just be a dick Mysterio that we all know, (laughs) I don't know. Good. I don't know. Yeah. We saw more footage of that lava fire, dude. He looks kind of cool. Yeah. More Hydro Man. And then, like, the sand guy. Did we see the sand guy? I think so. I don't know. I don't know. But it it looks cool. It looks fun. It would be cool if we got actual Sandman. I love Thomas Hayden Church in that role back in the day. I would be kind of cool to have another Sandman go. Yeah. I don't know. It it looks cool. I like the involvement of Nick Fury. Got some Happy Hogan in there. Yeah, I do too. Um, what's her name? Robin Trubosky. Oh, uh, Chelsea Small. Or no, no that's, Co- that's Cody. That's the Colby. Colby. There we go. <laughs> she's back, and yeah, hopefully she has kind of. A, I'm hoping she has a decent role in this. I know she's had a bigger role. Like the biggest role we've seen her do is in the Avengers and in Winter Soldier. Yeah, I'd like to see her in at least, at the very least, that that bigger role in this. 
Yeah, because I, I like her character. You know, she in the I last you, couple of movies hasn't been around. I mean, I don't know. She's Jonah Hill. She's Nick Fury's like right hand person. Yep. Like in every iteration I've ever seen of him. So I mean, Samuel L. Jackson's in so many, but she's not in as many as he is, which is so unfortunate. Cool but yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. I think personally, in some ways, it looks better than Spider-Man: Homecoming. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't Spider-Man: Homecoming. It's not perfect, but it, I think it laid a good groundwork. Thank God they just glossed over the origin story because we've seen that how many times now? I'm so curious though. Like, so this is the change I noticed from the first trailer to the second trailer is Nick Fury shoots a tranquilizer into Ned's neck and he collapses onto the floor in the first trailer. And then they even talk about rolling them over so he doesn't like choke on his own um, saliva. Yeah. And then in the new trailer, he falls onto a bed and they show uh, yeah a wide shot of the room and he's laying on a bed. Yeah, so I'm like. What? what? I mean, I don't know. It's one of those little things. It was kind of funny. I did notice that too, and I'm like, well, I kind of liked it better when he just like slanted on the ground. It was kind of funny. I know. Was there a petition saying that was too mean or something? I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? I I thought that was pretty funny. But either way, we got Nick Fury and we got a bunch of multiverse stuff going on now. So Happy I'm excited for this. Like, it looks fun. Yeah, as far and as I love mul- Spider-Man. multiverse stuff goes, I'm curious to see how that works. I mean, maybe that's how we will get the Fantastic Four into all this. Yeah, and that's a lot of fan theories. Like, I've seen a lot of people like, oh, that might be how they're going to fold the X-Men into it. Since the X-Men kind of exist in their own separate movie universe. But now that we have the Fox merger all under disney and marvel again so could be we'll yeah that. we'll see i don't know yeah i'm i'm, I'm looking forward to this though and then what does it come out july yes july 2nd something like that all right all right well moving on to some other movie news uh there's a new suicide squad cast member uh an actress danielle melkor and her character name is announced as she's going to be playing a character called the Rat Catcher. Rat Catcher. Now, I don't know much about this character. Isn't that Willow? Or not Willow? Willard? I don't know. I don't know a bit. <laughs> some, some people know what I'm talking about. But, yeah, so I don't know much about the character. I kind of did a quick read-through, but it just says primarily a Batman villain. But it's just kind of just a freaky Didn't dude. Didn't they that announce some rats. spot guy, too? Yeah, the spot. I forget his name because the the spot is Spider Man. Oh, the spot. Okay, yeah, it's. We see him in the Batman, uh, the Lego Batman movie though. Right. Dots all over him. I I don't. Oh, I, I think it's called the dot. The dot. dot. Okay. Or something I don't like know. That. But his whole character. Thing I is heard he's, he's gonna be in this though. Which is interesting because I mean his whole character gimmick is he has little dots all over his suit and when he pulls them off it like severs an electrical wire that activates whatever gadget comes out of this like micro technology that he has on his suit interesting so that could be interesting to see or it could look really bad yeah <laughs> here's to see how his character would be yeah so they get we got a new which i like the idea of just like for the suits guide it's such a cool movie like maybe have one or two standing characters but they switch out the rest of the cast every time you make one because you can just cycle through a bunch of cool interesting characters i think that would be the way to go but yeah, so that's really all I have to say on that. Not really, I don't know much about the character. But James Gunn's still doing it, so I'm still I'm going to watch it. Heck yeah. And then... Yeah, I'm looking forward to that and Guardians 3, uh, especially with uh, what happens at the end of uh, Endgame. I'm real curious to see what Guardians 3 is going to turn into. Oh, yeah. Like, I think of after Spider-Man, my no- most anticipated will be Guardians 3 for the MCU. 
Yeah, for but sure. Unfortunately, I think we're at least two years away. Yeah, because they have to finish. Possibly three years away, actually. I don't know. Cause she, I don't know. Well, production for Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is supposed to start next year. Okay. Well, so we're probably at least two years away. But anyway, whatever. I'll be excited when it when we hit. Yeah. And now, moving into a little bit sadder tone, but we had a couple deaths this past couple weeks. Uh, first is director John Singleton, known for Boys in the Hood and Shaft. Yeah, Boys in the Hood, Shaft. He did Poetic Justice. He had a few of those. Um, the second Fast and Furious. No, too fast. Too yeah, furious. his earlier career was a lot better than his later career for sure. But yeah, I mean, Boys in the Hood was kind of, you know, that was a movie of its time for sure. Okay. And yeah, I mean, that had Ice Cube, Cuba, Cuba Gooding Jr. in it, Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think I had only seen the ones that we listed and looked through. I think I only saw Too Fast, Too Furious. But. Yeah, so he passed away on 429. And then the next death that we had is Peter Mayhew dies at the age of 74. And Peter Mayhew is maybe not obvious to some, but a lot is the original actor for Chewbacca. <laughs> so and this is very sad because it's just something that you just, I mean, like, I've known I'm. I mean, we're both fairly young, and we're going to, in our lifetime, we're going to lose the entire cast of Star the original cast of Star Wars. Yeah. Which is not a fun thought. It's, it's I don't already like begun about a couple years ago with uh, Princess Leia and R2-D2. Yeah. Now, Chewie. Yeah. So, it's just, it's sad. It, I mean, it's, it, it, it's just sad as a fan. I don't know. There's not a lot, a lot I can really ex- explain about. I'm just, I'm sad. Because I love, I love original Star Wars. I mean, they didn't even recast him till uh, the Jedi. Force Awakens or the Last Jedi. Yeah, he was still Chewie in I think most of the shots of Chewie in Force Awakens, and then they recast him with that newer, younger kid. Which I mean, they saw at celebration. Yeah, so, he's been Chewie and everything else. Yeah, so I mean, it's, it's just sad. Damn walking carpet. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, that's too bad. And I, yeah, I heard he was a nice person, good sport. Always went to like Comic Con kind of stuff, and always liked to interact with the fans and everything. So, yeah, yeah, it's too bad to see him go. Yeah, but the spirit of Chewie lives on. Yeah, absolutely. I'm like, the, he's the actor might be gone, but the spirit of Chewie lives on. Exactly. I'm like, he's become like that. Star Wars is his legacy, and yep. the Star Wars is going to be around for a long, long time. Yep. So, and then. Ending on a Star Wars slash happier note. Um, so we got some new news about new Star Wars movies slated. Now, they haven't announced any new titles. I mean, because they don't do that until like they release the trailers, I guess. But I mean, so we have it announced that Star Wars after uh, Rise of Skywalker there's going to be a three-year hiatus before any new Star Wars movies comes to theaters. Woo-hoo. So the next Star Wars movie that's going to be in theaters will come out in 2022. And then after that, we'll have every other year will be a Star Wars movie. 
But it seems like the offshoot movies, which they're calling like Avatar movies, which are just like stand-ins, they are sound like those are gonna be funneled directly into Disney Plus. So uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, I don't taking, taking three years off Disney. Find yourself some good writers. Good writers mean like yeah, this new trilogy is gonna be helmed by the Game of Thrones producers, and I think three years to uh, give them to make something great. Hopefully that'll be that'll work out, and I hope. Hopefully it'll be awesome, but I don't mind seeing them go because I haven't loved the last couple Star Wars movies and we're still going to have the Disney plus service. So we have the Mandalorian, which I'm really looking forward to. Yeah. I'm definitely looking forward to that one. And there'll be other Star Wars stuff to fill the gaps. It's not like we're going to have three years with absolutely nothing. So yeah, I don't know. It's just, uh, I'm, I'm okay with this. I'm okay with it. Not with them. Like not even halting Star Wars, just like taking a little bit of time before they're releasing. From when they finish a trilogy to when they start a trilogy. Fine by me. Well, one thing we've not talked about since our last episode here. That ginormous box office. And all that going on. Oh, yeah. That's true. Yeah, Avengers. Because last time we were here, we came back opening night and talked our our thoughts on Avengers. And, yeah, here we are. What, Two weeks 11 later. days later, I think, as of recording this. 11 days later. Wow. 10 days later, 11 days later. Anyway, Avengers Endgame has globally crossed over 2 billion already in just 11 days. Yep, and what? The box office leader is Avatar with 2.7. Yep. Yeah, it's closing on Avatar, especially with worldwide, it's closing on Avatar quick. So, I mean, I knew this movie was going to be huge, and I thought and you know, I thought breaking the uh The Force Awakens record with uh, not Civil War, <laughs> with uh, Infinity War. Infinity War that breaks the record by what three million dollars, and I'm like, okay, okay, you know, Endgame's gonna be huge. Part of me was like, well, is it gonna be as big? I'm like, no, you know what? It, it'll be just as big. It'll, if anything, it's gonna beat it by another 10, 20, maybe thirty million. Like, it'll be, it'll, it'll be big. It'll, it'll break some records. Right, but not a billion dollars before the weekend was out. Well, just I'm just, and this is just domestically three hundred and fifty-seven million dollar opening weekend. Dang, well, they made their budget back with the, just the domestic. Just a weekend, yeah. Because yeah. Yeah, their budget was 356 Yep, which is a huge budget. Yeah. Maybe, but insane. then you got all those different characters shoved into one movie. You have to pay all that's, those that's actors. That's supposed to be one of the biggest budget. That's probably, it sets a record for biggest budget, too. $356 million. There's got to be something close. That's insane. Although I know like the, uh, the old Superman movies that came out had ridiculous amounts of budget, for the time at least. But, yeah. We got the almost over two billion dollars. Yeah, two point two three eight as far as like recording this goes right now. Just crazy. What what's really funny is so like it's definitely gonna beat Avatar, especially in the short run. Like there's just some this thing is moving. It's a train moving. It will start slowing down, I'm sure, as the weeks go on, as more stuff comes out this summer. Right, but, but we're w- still like it's cra- really but, fresh. But it's crazy to think though. So this had a three hundred and fifty seven opening weekend. Avatar only had 77 domestically. Damn. 77. So it had semi-strongest opening, but it's just like, I don't know, people just kept going and seeing it and going and seeing it and going and seeing it. Yeah, I mean, Avatar was like a phenomenon, and this is definitely like arguably a bigger phenomenon, like because 10 years of build-up to this. So it's just, it's crazy. It's crazy. I'm like, we knew this was going to make a lot of money. I knew it was going to break a billion. But it's already broken two billion, which is just insane. On the on this, let me start over here. I say 
at this rate, it's definitely going to pass three billion, beating Avatar at the worldwide box office. Who know? I mean, who knows when this train will stop, though? I know because it's still so early in the run. I've seen it twice already. And I've only seen it once. I wouldn't mind going and seeing it again. I'll probably wait a few weeks. I mean, there's other stuff like you know, we just saw the two Batman's this weekend. We have to take a Pikachu coming up. I need to get caught up on some stuff too, like John Wick yeah. and Godzilla. So I got to get caught up on some stuff too. But yeah, it's just it's crazy. I know. I might go see it again this weekend. I don't know. I, I haven't seen it again since, and I feel like I need to. I'm gonna at least see it at least one more time. Man. Imagine being the Russo brothers, just sitting back thinking, uh, yeah. The Russo brothers are now the new James Camerons. I mean, freaking And to be, fa- to be fair to James Cameron, too, he did hold the record as a director with highest grossing movie from 1997 with Titanic all the way to now. Right. So, so he's held the record for over two decades. And arguably, it's possible that, you know, you know it, no movie will do what Avatar did because Avatar was a new IP. Just like, no, nothing beforehand, no build-up. So it was just a movie that somebody put out and made. And it, you know, became box office, like Juggernaut, for this long. Mm-hmm. So even with, and it took a movie with 10 years of uh, build-up to finally take it down. So there's something to be said for that, but it's very cool just to see how far, like, all of this hard work, all of this 10 years of groundwork has taken this movie already. Yes, indeed, sir. Well, shall we move on here? Yeah, let's talk some Batman. Batman, Batman. So yeah, we're going to be talking Batman, the TV show, starring Adam West. Nah, just kidding. I used to watch that all the time, but we're not talking that. All right, so yeah, this last weekend, Daniel and I... Had the pleasure of a theater near us playing the original 1989 Batman as well as Batman Returns. Both directed by Tim Burton, starring Michael Keaton as Batman. So, yeah, I guess uh, I'm trying to think how to get into this. I guess we could talk about our history with the films, like when we first saw them. So, I guess I'll go first. Yeah, I was probably, I'd say, 10 years old when I first saw these. You know, my parents were a little strict, so I didn't get to see them before that. But yeah, at age 10, I saw the. I think at least at the time the first two were out on VHS. I had them on VHS. And yeah, great movies. Loved watching them. Uh, as I talk about on the solo episode that people will hear when I talk about the Red Hood, I talk about these a little bit and how I you know, probably watched them almost as much as I watched Star Wars, the original trilogy on VHS. Yeah, I've always just loved the character. I didn't really know too much about Batman before these movies. It was really my big introduction was probably around when the animated cartoon came out. And that's when I really started learning about Batman and like what his who his villains were and things like that. Right. So. But yeah, I think if anything, I think well, I'm just, I'm a little fuzzy with my timeline, but I think I saw the cartoon first, and after seeing the cartoon for a while, got into the movies and just started exploring kind of more Batman. Never was big into like comic book reading, but you know, I still you know the cartoons and the movies taught me what I needed to know. So I guess overall, I'm still like a pretty casual Batman fan, but. Yeah, that makes sense. And then, you know, later on, of course, Saw, Forever, and Batman and Robin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we then did it, see Then those. it was a long, cold winter after that. Yeah. No pun intended. Well, all roads lead to Nolan. That's right. Because in 2005, but, Batman returned better than ever. That's true. And, okay, I guess my personal thing is, like, well, we have, like, a 10-year gap between our ages. <laughs> 
<laughs> I probably was around the age what of 10. Were 17 or something? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> 25. So what's that say about you? Anyway. But I probably saw these movies around the same age, like around probably 10, maybe a little younger. I, just, I, I don't know. Like I, I can't specifically remember. But I remember I was using VHSs, your VHSs. Probably not even allowed. I probably didn't even ask. I probably was just watching them. <laughs> oh, I noticed. I had set booby traps on my movie collection. Yeah. So, well, that's what I was looking for, too, is boobies. <laughs> but <laughs> I noticed, there weren't I any. noticed American Beauty off my shelf quite a bit. Yeah, well, don't even worry about that. <laughs> so, but yeah, no, I watched, I remember watching... Both of these movies, I mean, I've seen all of them. I remember watching all of the movies through Clooney uh, when I was a really little kid. I remember enjoying those ones a lot more than I do now. But the Tim Burton Batman movies seem to hold up pretty well. And something I realized, like, it's just been years since I've seen this movie. It's probably been like, well, how I can gauge it is I definitely haven't watched them, like, anytime recently because all the adult jokes in these movies are just completely fresh for me because I haven't seen it <laughs> since before they like, since they've been going over my head, I guess never rub another man's rhubarb. Yeah. Like there were just some insanely <laughs> sexual jokes in both of these movies, especially in Batman returns. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I forgot how um, big of a perv the penguin is. <laughs> yeah. He and, is a perv. <laughs> I know one of the main things I remember from Batman returns, just him biting off like some dude's nose and I'm just like, well, that's crazy. That's like what I remember in Catwoman and stuff. But then all of like the sexual innuendo between all of the characters, Batman, Penguin, Catwoman, it's just like, holy shit. <laughs> there is a lot. Oh, yeah, we were cracking up pretty good in the theater. There, there's some crazy like in, like psychotic lines that people <laughs> wrote for these characters. Oh my god, like Penguin just has so many crazy lines. Just, He's just dirty all around. Dirty looking, dirty creatures. I know. Dirty mind. Danny DeVito, like a, a living gremlin playing the penguin. Oh gosh. It's so good though. Dude, it it was. And you know, I I don't know. I enjoyed both of these movies because we saw them on Saturday and Monday, and it was a great time. Yeah, and uh I think the first one was a little bit more full, but yeah, both showings were pretty full. Yeah. Small theaters, but still pretty full. I know it's just it's been it's was fun revisiting these movies. Like I said, it's been years, and I'd say they actually hold up pretty well. The only thing that brings them back down, like because the way they designed Gotham was really cool, very gothic. Like, I cool. love the production design on these, especially when you get into Returns. It's kind of like they they took what they did in the first one and then took it to the next level in the second one. Right. And I, I love that. And they always like, especially like in the uh, Batman, the animated series, it has like this kind of like, well, at the time, kind of modern feel while also like being like very old timey because there's like Zeppelins and stuff in mm-hmm. those ones. So Police they kind of like, it something. has that same like weird time period, like dysphoria where you just like, it could, it feels like a modern day, but at the same time, they have so much weird retro stuff around that it feels like it's also old. I don't know. I always appreciated what those movies and like gadgets that's more more cooler. Yeah, it's it's true. So I still love that part too. The guy's only like a few feet away, and he's like, "No, you don't." It's like on the rooftop at the beginning of the first one. He's like, (laughs) "Yeah, I know." It's just I don't know. I love the feel of these movies. Love the atmosphere of this movie. Yeah, 
No, I gotta, I gotta stop grabbing for that beer. That beer is nasty. This is what you did to us, Jordan. Yeah, it tastes like somebody like left it out for days on end and we're drinking stale beer. This stuff is a fresh bottle out of the fridge, and it feels like we're drinking something that's just been sitting around for days. Thanks a lot. Anyway, all right. Yes, no, like, um, yeah, production design. I love it. Like, I just love the look and feel, the dark gothicness of the cities. Like, this is, again, Tim Burton directed it, and that's kind of what he was known for is the dark gothicness. And it works with Batman so it, well. It's crazy to think, too, that they they thought, after seeing Pee-wee's Big Adventure, like, that's our guy to bring Batman to life. You know, Batman's never been on the big screen before. I mean, uh, I guess that, was there a, uh, there was the TV show with Adam West. Did they, they did a Batman movie based on that. Did they, I don't know if that ever saw theaters though but anyway i think it did this is a big deal because i mean this movie had been in production for like 10 years i think warner brothers got the rights to it in 79 and just writing scripts eventually i think the original uh producers that were on it got pushed off and then yeah peter peter goober and john peters took over as producers peter goobers and john peters yep fantastic yeah (laughs) Anyway, yeah, they saw Pee-wee's Big Adventure and thought, ah, Tim Burton, that is our guy for Batman. Well, wasn't it after Be- he did Beetlejuice? Yeah, so he was brought. He was they were, he was in talk to direct Batman, and but yeah, he had to prove himself that yeah he can make box office money. So Beetlejuice, yeah, which also awesome movie. I love that movie too. Yeah, movie's great with but Michael had, Keaton. But he got the official green light after Beetlejuice opening weekend and it made enough money that the theater was like, "Okay, no, we can take a chance with this guy." Yeah. This young upstart. Yeah, upstart director. But yeah, it's just Yeah, I wonder what they saw in Pee-wee though. They're like, "This is our guy for Batman." Maybe they're like, "Wow, this is stylized insanity." <laughs> Possibly, yeah. Like, I don't, that's that's well, the only just, line. I Batman and Pee Wee just like seem like totally different worlds. Like I don't know, <laughs> but I, I maybe know. that's it. Maybe like this guy's good at like creating different worlds within maybe within our like, world. Maybe like that's what they saw. Is like he's good at like delivering a distinct feeling mm-hmm. for whatever he's doing. There's a distinct, well, not a distinct. I mean, because now all of his movies seem to kind of like flow through each other, but at the time, it's still very like new kind of like no one else was really doing he was kind of like had his own temper and spin which was brand new at the time yeah which oh, is definitely. arguably maybe a little out old like it got old later down the road but he's still brand spanking new at this point yeah no he definitely definitely is there yeah i mean yeah i think like, this is also before he found johnny depp that is true <laughs> he didn't find johnny depp till after this one michael keaton was his guy and then he's like whoa keaton bye Hello, Johnny Depp. Right. Gosh, yeah. Imagine if he had uh, met Johnny Depp when this was in production. Who would Johnny Depp have been cast? He would have been like Probably would have been the Joker. I don't know. I could see if they had kept... So the original script, or at least one of the... This had several rewrites, but one of the original scripts had Robin coming in at the end of this. Oh, my God. Having Johnny Depp as Robin. Johnny Depp as Robin would have been interesting. So yeah, just think of Twenty One Jump Street. Just you know, so you just know, him so you know the you know the end of the parade scene with the Joker throwing out money everywhere. Right. There was supposed to be like a circus performing going on, and that would have been the Graysons, Dick and his parents, and then Joker. Whoa, was gross. Jo- <laughs> Joker was going to do something to kill his parents, and then yeah, Robin gets taken in under Bruce Wayne, and Robin's born. You know, and I don't hate that idea. Like, I respect Tim Burton for just saying, like, no, I don't want that, so I'm not doing it. 
Yeah. Which is I, more that watching this movie the way it is, especially just you know, just watching it now, I just I don't there's no room for Robin really. I mean, granted that scene is at the very, very, very end. And if anything, it just would we would have just been another scene where just been a little he Easter adopts egg. him, I guess. Like, come on in, like you can stay here in an extra room in this giant house. Yeah. And then he's Robin in the next movie, probably. But yeah, there was just no room for more characters, I don't think. No, especially like in one of the things I know we're kind of jumping in between each movie, but one of the things watching rewatching the first one, Batman, with Jack Nicholson as the Joker, I didn't really remember, but like, and like watching interviews like before, like I think before Batman Returns and stuff, that the first Batman it feels like a complete story. Like it has a beginning, it has a definitive ending, like they wrap up everything. So there's nothing really left open. So it just feels very complete. Mm-hmm. So, which I didn't really realize. Cause I'm like, cause now we're used to movies just like at the end of the movie, it's just like, and Oh, watch out for this, this sequel that might be coming out. Like this was before that was common practice. So it just is a complete movie all by itself. And then, you know, the second one is still a complete movie all by itself, too. Yeah. Nothing really left open. They kind of leave it open at the end of the second one a little bit. Yeah, with, with that, la- that last scene. Which, with I mean, Pfeiffer. spoiler alert, but come on. It's, come on. <laughs> yeah, these movies are 28 or 27 and 30 years old now. Yeah. So it's just, but yeah, so that's really the only thing they leave kind of open, but it doesn't even feel like it's really like open for a sequel. It still has a very good open and shut. Yeah, it was fun seeing these in theaters. So I saw the first one probably four or five years ago in theaters. That was a lot of fun. Never seen Batman Returns in theaters, so that was just awesome to go see. Oh yeah, loved it. I mean, just these are definitely like good theatrical movies to see. And yeah, I'd say overall, for the most part, they've held up. I mean, there's some practical effects that are a little cheese now, a little bit. I mean, I th- most of the practical effects work pretty well it's only when you get like that weird kind of blackboard looking cgi with like the penguins and a couple other scenes but it's very like it's very forgivable because they're used very sparingly right yeah a lot of cgi is used pretty sparingly throughout i mean i'm trying to think of what cgi is really used in the first one at all uh because even everything like the buildings everything is like those are like hand-drawn practical effects Right, I'm trying to think what set pieces, everything like CGI wise. I don't think there really is much. Not yeah, probably not much. I don't know. I you notice it a little bit more in the second one, but yeah, I can't like it. Like they use sparingly, so I can't even really think of any. It's just one of those things that it doesn't really take you out of it, but you kind of like notice the seams, I guess. Although, (laughs) one thing I did notice in the first one is you can see Batman's wires. But they do a decent job of explaining that away because they show him like drop down with his like zip lines. So when you see wires like after that point, it just kind of feels like it's assumed that those are his zip lines that he's attached to. Like, yeah, the only the only wire I mean I remember seeing that was pretty obvious is when he's coming down through the museum window or ceiling through the skylight of the ce- uh, museum. I thought it was pretty obvious. I think it was when he first shows up when. Uh, before the Joker's the Joker, like in that chemical plant when he drops in. Mm-hmm. But other than that, you know, like they nice, do. Nice outfit. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, there's just so many good scenes in that. I still love, absolutely love that museum scene when they're painting over all the paintings. I remember I was 
I think Dancing I was- the Prince. Yeah, I think I whispered it to my girlfriend when we watched um, the first one on Saturday. Cause I'm like, oh, this is my favorite scene. Then, like, not a second later, I hear somebody else whisper over the side to somebody. He's like, oh god, this is my favorite scene. <laughs> <laughs> so great. So I just I love that scene. It's so much fun. I don't know. It's just I don't know. There's lots. There's lots in these movies to love still. What do, so what do you, what do you think of the costume design in this? Because before that, all people had seen was like tights you know just like adam west look basically and any rendition of batman up in this point had just been tight so no rubber suit no like body armor kind of look and he was like lighter colors like blue and gray not black yeah and i think at least yeah in live action you hadn't had that i think we had at that point like right before this movie came out they had just like a few years prior the dark knight returns uh, came out, which was the... the Frank, di- is that the Frank Miller graphic novel? It, I, I hope it's the Frank Miller. Like I, I think it's Frank Miller. If I'm mistaken, we're going to get emails. But it's but it it's like the definitive, like, when they finally, like, made Batman, like, in a, like a darker adult character. And so that's what the Tim Burton says. So I think you kind of got a little bit of that, but if you had never seen any of that... I, I think that book was a lot of inspiration for uh, Tim Burton... He, uh, from things I've read, Tim Burton had a little bit of dys- dyslex- can't talk. dyslexia, so he had a hard time reading comics, if that makes sense. But he did find in the those books, you know, he found that's where he kind of discovered Batman, his love for Batman, and it was those books too that go more into the psyche of Batman, right? Which is something Tim Burton loved. But as far as the caution goes, yeah, because there was. I guess, you know, back in the day, this was before Facebook and Twitter, obviously, but there was, like, uproars of fans not liking the costume when pictures of it were released because they were just used to everything that had come before that. Personally, I think this look is good. I like the all-dark black look minus the symbol on the chest, but I like the dark look, the rubber the rubber, and the, you know, the bulletproof vest on the front. Right. It makes sense to me, like... No, I mean it makes sense. It's just, it's just like I said, it's weird. It's jarring for people who are used to like, so, oh, at like used to Adam West. So it's just like, oh, this is a goofy, fun character. And you see this, you're like, oh, this is not what I'm used to. No, I mean, and for this, it makes sense too. I mean, he looks more sinister in this, and you're not going to be wearing like bright colors if you're fighting crime you're fighting at night, crime at dark in alleys. You want to be able to sneak up on people, right? He, I think per- it was just a cool look for him. And it helps it helps Michael Keaton too because Michael Keaton is not necessarily what you would call yoked, yeah. so it helps him look bigger and scarier. Which right. I think anybody that plays him in general—I mean, don't get me wrong—I really love Michael Keaton's performance in this, but I think anybody that plays Batman should be yoked anyway. I mean, yeah, I you're, mean, he, you're that's... hand-to-hand combating criminals; you got to be able to kick their ass. Exactly. Just having a scary-looking bat suit ain't gonna kick their ass, and you got to be able to carry that suit. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, I know. Especially it. if it's like made of armor, it's gonna be heavy. So, but yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I like the suit too. Like, obviously, I think I might have seen better bat suits at that point. Bef- as before, I saw these movies. I can't remember. I mean, I definitely saw them before Bale's Batman, which yeah, is. Yeah, I say I personally didn't like another bat suit that came out of that or since that till we got to Batman Begins. Yeah. Yeah, I did not like the look of Val Kimmer's bat suit or especially George Clooney's, especially George Clooney's ice bat suit at the end of Batman and Robin. Yeah. That thing was ridiculous looking. Yep. 
Yeah. So it's just like, so like with the, I mean, obviously it's, I think it's a great start for the modern aesthetic of Batman. And we've definitely had, like, they've definitely improved on that design in the yeah. movies ever since. And especially for the actors too, because yeah, back in 89, 88, I guess when they were filming this, that thing was hard to move in. Like Michael Keaton has been, you know, he's in an interview said that he felt very, very claustrophobic in the suit. I mean, he could hardly, he couldn't hear very well either because the cowl was just like squeezing on his ears and just kind of, right. you know, he just couldn't hear through the rubber very well. Right. I mean, like I noticed in the first one, at least I think it they, like slightly redesigned in the second one, at least how it was built. But mm-hmm. in the first one, like when it's doing close ups on his face, you can see how thick that rubber is around his eyes and mouth. Like it is thick. Yeah. Yeah, they definitely do some redesigns of the cowl and just the whole costume in general for the uh, second one. Right. But yeah, I mean, this is a first one though, but yeah, I mean, he's got that famous because he, he can't move his neck at all in it and look around, so he's got yeah. the famous like... Bat turn. <laughs> bat turn, that they call it. <laughs> yeah, where he just like looks up, looks down, yeah. left, right, where you're just moving the torso to do but all of that. I will say, I love Keaton in this role. I would, to this day, as much as I love Christian Bale, when it comes to the whole thing of Bruce Wayne, Batman... And I guess you could say Batman's voice too, and everything. Christian Bale to me does it all very right. well. However, I really love Michael Keaton in Batman form, and because especially I think out of all of them, he's got the best bat voice out of. Yeah, out of because what do we have like between? And I, I guess Keaton, Kilmer, Clooney, Bale, Affleck. I'd say to me, he's still my favorite bat voice to this day. Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. Well. I don't know. I mean, like in my mind, Christian Bale is my definitive Batman. Well, although like, I think we've told you this, like after the movie, but Keaton is like a close second because I think his movies hold up really great, better than the other ones came after it. Yeah. So yeah. So I think Christian Bale is for me just like because that came around like it was perfect for me. I was like the right age to like be getting into that stuff, and so that's my definitive. Like those were the Batman movies that came out when I was a kid. Yeah, and so that was my definitive Batman. It didn't hurt that they were great, well-executed movies. No, not at all. <laughs> not at no, all. No, because I mean, I will say my favorite two, especially, is Batman Begins and The Dark Knight. I love both of those, and Christian Bale is my overall favorite as right. far as Bruce Wayne Batman goes. I know, and it's hard to say. Like a lot of people, still, Jack Nicholson makes a great Joker, but again, it just my my personal bias is again. Heath Ledger's my personal Joker, like that's just just how it is for me. Yeah. But first, first Keaton goes though. I do love the voice, the the lower voice he uses for this. I mean, he's yeah. the one that started that whole like lower voice thing to kind of distinguish the difference between Batman and Bruce Wayne. Right. And Burton talks about this in interviews, and you can see, and he's right. I mean, if you look closely, I mean, just there's just something about Keaton and his eyes. Like close-ups of the of the face and his eyes movement and everything like that. There's just something about that that I really like too. Yeah, no, there is. Like I know he's got like black eye makeup around his eyes, but they're like very definitive. And they do multiple shots of him just like kind of like staring intensely or something like that. Yeah, just er- everything from like even just like his jaw, facial look, exp- his like lip, I don't know what do you call it, lip expressions. Yeah, because like, not talking about just like faces he would do. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Er- He's so good at it, like, and I think he does an even better job in the second one. Yeah. But let's see here. So, yeah, like you were saying, we have Joker in this first one here. Let's talk more about this first one. We have Joker here, played by the great Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Who they, in some ways, used 
Robin Williams, may he rest in peace, as bait for this. Jack Nicholson wasn't really sure if he wanted to do the Joker, so they offered they offered the role to Robin Williams only to, you know, for basically for, to get Jack Nicholson like, okay, no, 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 no okay, if we're gonna give it to this guy, okay, fine, 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 I'll do it. Okay. So they kind of used Robin Williams as bait <laughs> to get Jack Nicholson on board. Yeah, which that's actually hilarious. Um, God, dude, he does such a good job. He's like such a dastardly character. Like before he's the Joker, and then he just gets kicks it up a notch of the insanity like as the joker yeah and i guess i like this joker quite a bit it's a fun insane it's really hard <laughs> to, uh, sometimes to choose i mean i overall i'm with you i think heath ledger is still my favorite but as far as a good tie for a second mark hamill and jack nicholson i think i still put mark hamill right before jack nicholson though just a little bit right but in some ways that was the first joker i ever knew was the cartoon one yeah most a lot of kids, that was the first one. But Jack and Nicholson is awesome in this role. He steals the, sh- the scenes for sure. I mean, they give him some good lines, and he just, you know, he's got that good, insanic laugh, too, going. Got, and just Jack Nicholson is like a hugely charismatic actor. So he just has all of that working into this very charismatic Joker with all these hilarious lines and just the mannerisms are where he just nails it. There's, I'm just trying to think of some. He said so many good lines in there. I'm just thinking of the a scene where he fries the one dude. Yeah. It's like, ooh, we got a live one here. <laughs> I know, he just does so good in that role. Like, it was kind of insane that he didn't want to do it, and then when he did it, he just brought it. He could have phoned it, and he was Jack Nicks. He was very famous at that point, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, so he oh, was like yeah, a big yeah, yeah. get. He was huge by that point. So it could have been an actor that could have, he could have just phoned it in, but he didn't. He like executed it. He did it. Yeah, I think he spent like two hours a day in the makeup chair getting ready. Well, I believe it. <laughs> I read somewhere that he, um, so he, uh, have you ever seen like Laker games? Well, yeah, hold on, I'm talking to you. Yeah. What are sports, Jordan? <laughs> anyway, Jack and Lucian is big into basketball, so he would actually have the, the crew, you know, someone on the crew, producers, somebody, anyway, would record and bring the last night's game in, and he would watch the the night before his game while he was in the makeup chair getting ready. <laughs> That's funny. And sometimes he would even come in and just, like, fall asleep in the chair. I guess I, this is something else I read, too. I guess Jack Nicholson was known for, you know, going out and having some good late nights, going out for dinner and to a couple Hollywood parties or something. Right. So he actually made it in his contract that he didn't have to be on set till 10 a.m. <laughs> so yeah, he'd come on set at 10 a.m. and then sometimes just fall asleep while they're putting the makeup on him. That's hilarious. But, yeah, good stuff there. But yeah, I love I, I love him in this role though. I think he's perfect for, especially for the time, just perfect. And yeah, like you were saying, it uh, yeah it wraps up nicely with a bow at the end of this one because they actually kill his character off. Which, again, yeah, I mean, like, with all the recent movies, like, especially Batflack, people are like, Batman doesn't kill, Batman doesn't kill. Watching these movies, so many people die. Right? <laughs> so many people Yeah, I think we were, t- we were talking about this the, earlier, like, when Batman drives, has the Batmobile go into the, the power plant, drops the bomb off. Drops right. the bomb at the feet of, like, six people, and then the Batmobile, dr- like, the whole thing explodes. Like, those people are dead. Yeah. They're, they're not coming out they don't show them again they're dead yeah <laughs> so there's that there's that part and i mean in some ways batman didn't necessarily kill the joker a gargoyle did 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, but he is. Yeah. Which I'm still, it was just kind of funny. Like, why didn't the guys lower the ladder a little bit so we could at least stick a foot on it to begin with? Instead, he's like, that many, how many stories up in the air and getting on the aboard the third, the second yeah. or third one? And I'm like, where he has to use all his upper body strength to get to the helicopter. I'm like, why don't you lower just a little, lower just a little more so you can step foot on it first and then climb a lot easier. Nice. It was kind of funny, but I guess you know, clever way to kill him off. Yeah, I'm just again kills, dies, just like that. And yeah, I, mean, I didn't rem- Well, I did remember the Joker dying, but then there's so many other people that die. And in the second one, Batman puts a bomb on some guy and knocks him in like. A container and it just blows up oh, and <laughs> returns yeah yeah so there's just a lot of batman killing people inadvertently well even um what did, i forget what was the thing he threw at catwoman oh he threw like a little napalm yeah and even that like depending on where she fell she could just fall off the building and died right exactly batman's been killing for a while now so bat flick killing is nothing new Nope. Yeah, it's just something that you don't really think about. Uh, one other thing to touch on on uh, on this first movie before we move on to the second is Danny Elfman's score. Wow. Yep. Yep. I mean, uh, I mean especially in his early career, I love Elfman scores like Pee Wee's Big Adventure. I mean, I loved that score since I was a kid. Right. Beetlejuice main theme is love amazing. Beetlejuice. Love Beetlejuice. But yes, the Batman and Batman Returns scores are just phenomenal. And then in between there, he did Edward Scissorhands, which is another one I just love. But man, I mean, he gave Batman that just that distinct sound that just stuck with me like ever since I was a kid. Right. And something I didn't know slash notice is you told me uh, in Justice League they brought Danny Elfman in and he did the Tim Burton sounds for Batman. Yep. Yeah, he brought back. He, yeah, I watched an interview with him recently talking about the Justice League score, and he talks about how he did in certain parts bring in the John Williams Superman theme a little bit and kind of, and ha- you know, just had that like blended in with stuff. Right. And yeah, he used the 89 Batman theme for a lot of the Batflix stuff too. Which, I mean, and I noticed that watching Justice League too, like immediately, like there's a distinct shot where Commissioner Gordon is by the bat signal and we see Batflick on a building and jump down to the rooftop where Gordon is and excuse me the 89 music's playing and I distinctly that's probably what I remember most on that not that great of a movie yeah <laughs> well I didn't even notice that but yeah Elfman was I mean they carried that into the cartoon I mean that to me that is what Batman sounds like that is his thing yeah music. they defined it yeah I mean he did such a good job too just all throughout the whole movie too not just the Batman theme but just the whole score I think is good yeah, no, it, just, it does just fit. It just fits right in with the gothic themes and like the dark themes of both of them. Mm-hmm. It even gets the score gets even darker in the second one because the movie itself just gets even darker. Yeah, and I, I will say Batman Returns is probably I don't know it's definitely top ten, but probably even top five of one of my favorite scores of all time. It's for, I love the Batman Returns score. It does get darker in that one for sure. And I don't know, there's just so many good melodies in that from like Selena Kyle getting re- getting her costume ready, right? To just the even the opening credit sequence with the cobble pots, to the finale with the penguin and the death of the penguin. I mean, all of it is just so good, right? I'm trying to think here, uh, back to the first one. There's some fun things. Hey, we got Kim Basinger playing Vicky Vale. I, li- I like her character a lot. I do, I do like her a lot too. I, and I like Knox. He's pretty funny. Yeah, that was like her journalist. That was the journalist friend, yeah. yeah. Which, that that guy had me cracking up a few times. Like, total nerd. 
Yeah, he's, he's a complete geek, but he's yeah, it's great. Then we get the Billy D. Williams commissioner. Oh uh, yes, Billy, Billy D. Williams as Harvey Dent. Oh yeah, did I say commissioner? I meant Harvey Dent. Yeah, it's Harvey Dent. Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, yeah, he's supposed to in the. No, nah, I think it's the Batman Returns script where he was supposed to have a bigger role and then ended up being cut completely, which yeah. kind of blows. That does kind of blow because he would have made an amazing. I do. He had a bigger part than I remember him having in this though when we were watching it the other day. Yeah. Which is cool. I like I like seeing Billy D. He's awesome. I know, and I wish we would have seen him in sequels though. I think it would have been just awesome. Yeah, like I said, like he and, made... yeah. Well, yeah. We'll, we'll, when we talk more Batman Returns, we'll get into that a little bit. Yeah, but um, I don't know. I don't. We're kind of just all over the place talking Batman, but they're all very like the movies have a very similar feel. So it's kind of it's kind of okay. One thing that we haven't mentioned yet. Um, which is in both Batman and Batman Returns is the Batmobile. Oh yes, we haven't, we haven't talked the Batmobile at all. And it this Bat, the Tim Burton Batmobile is probably my favorite Batmobile. If not, if nothing else, it's definitely my favorite live action Batmobile. But it's probably first, and then I think the Batmobile from the '90s cartoon is like a very close second. Mm-hmm. Those are my two favorites. But this one, I just I love it. I love how it looks. I think it's got it's got a, it just has a really cool design. Yeah, especially uh, when you compare the, the Tim Burton and the Joel Schumacher films, it's definitely my favorite of all of them by far. I know it's the only one that's actually black and stealthy. <laughs> right yeah because you get the returns and it looks cool like it's got, it looks a little more sleek but it's like lights everywhere coming out the sides it's like it's supposed to be yeah more stealth <laughs> so you can s- sneak up on people i mean i'm sure batman could turn those off if he wanted to but i would hope so still. but they never show them off exactly and yeah and the ridiculous design in the batman robin one it's cool and slick as that looked no um no, like canopy, no cover for yeah, no like, cover protection. to keep for protection. I'm like, he's just out in the open, gets shot in the head easy. I'm like, what the hell? Yeah, made, never made any sense to me whatsoever. No, so I'm just like, we haven't mentioned that, but I love it, and I love like when it armors itself up, which is also just still very cool. Yeah, and I, that's something that's you know almost surprising to see back in that day because I think that was actually some of the use of CGI in these movies was just a little bit used there, but it still looks. Not like it still looks pretty good, like it's uh, yeah, and I'm just surprised they even went that extra route, especially in the first one, yeah, because I just feel like that was an effect that they could have just done without, probably, but they decided to do it anyway, so good for them. But yeah, I mean, I love when you first see it because, like, yeah, I don't think we don't see it till they're running out of the museum, and he's like, Get in the car, yeah, exactly. You don't see it till like a good way (laughs) into the yeah, which one's oh, it's. You yeah know. oh yeah and then it starts off i just love the when it first starts up too and the jet sound i know you get that like the freaking like flames coming out the back oh, yeah like the jet propelled engine yeah it's, it's pretty sweet it's super cool like i said if i had stupid amounts of money i'm getting my own tim burton batmobile heck yeah <laughs> that'd be awesome probably cost like a million dollars you did some th- cool things with it too i remember <laughs> to take that super super wide turn yeah, he shoots a pole and then just uses that to just yeah, he just kind of like uses it to like make the sharp turn yeah which it's pretty funny that's very cool okay so i guess that leads us into the second one focusing on that one yeah we're done here wrapping this one up i think we didn't so. talk about how many times vicky vale screams in this one Oh, well, watch a supercut on YouTube. It's hilarious. She screams at least 23 times in this movie. 
hilarious. Yeah, pretty funny, I thought. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to think if there's anything else, any final thoughts on this first one here. I mean, it went on to, at the time, this was the biggest opening weekend. Okay. This movie came out, biggest opening weekend. Yeah, just a couple of quick trivia things here. It went on to, the, I think, domestically, went on to gross like 251. It was one of the bigger movies of all time domestically at the time, back in 1989. It won one Oscar for production design. Awesome. Which is pretty cool. Wish it would have won a little more, because I think it deserved it in a lot of areas. But, you know, whatever. Comic movies have never been that popular, I guess. Yeah, I think worldwide this grossed somewhere it was somewhere between like 420 million plus, I think. That's pretty so good, especially good for, back for in its the day. time for sure. Yeah, I mean this was huge back in its day. I mean that's still pretty good and for now. Just like Heath Ledger, when you know everybody had their doubts of when he was cast. Same thing with Michael Keaton. Like they said something like fifty thousand letters were sent to Warner Brothers when they cast Michael Keaton as Batman, saying like, "What the hell?" Like you know, because he just been he'd been in like Mr. Mom and just all these comedies. So they're like, "This guy isn't Batman. He can't play Batman." Boom, Batman. But yeah, he showed them, didn't he? Birdman. I mean Batman. Right, so yeah, he set the stage. He definitely set the stage because of like you know what a costume Batman or you know what. Let me start over. He definitely set the stage as far as like kind of like what a Batman sounds like to just the way he looks in that rubber suit. I mean, right? Yeah, he could set the stage for that stuff. Um, trying to think here, (laughs) other fun things to talk about in this movie. You have a favorite part of this movie? Uh, scene in the Jack Nicholson one. Oh, by far my favorite scene is the museum the scene museum when they scene. have the beat. They're like the the beatbox, like the jukebox, the stereo. They're going around like painting all of the artwork and stuff. Mm-hmm. I just I love that scene. It's so funny. It's so weird. I just I don't know. I love that scene. Yeah, I don't know what my favorite scene is in this one. It's it's kind of hard. I do like that scene a lot. I like what goes after that scene. The whole chase scene, the Batmobile leading to them on foot, and like him propelling her up. Yeah. <laughs> How much do you weigh? Uh, like 108, I think. And then later on, you weigh a little more than 108. <laughs> oh, really? Thanks. Yeah, that was hilarious. <laughs> so great. Yeah, there's some. I wish the hand-to-hand combat would have been a little bit better. That's probably part of it. That's a little cheese to me. Yeah, I which wish... also just probably the restrictions of the bat suit. Well, I think I, that did have to do with a lot of it, but I still would have rather just a little bit better hand-to-hand combat right. would have been nice. I do like that part after he does kick the guy's rear ends in the alley. That one guy is holding the knife, and he, Michael Keaton just gives him that nice, like, come here kind of look. <laughs> yeah. And the guy just throws the knife and runs. Yeah. That, that was, was good. That's great. But I do like the finale of this a lot. The, you know, we get a, well, that was actually a thing that I was kind of surprised to see for, you know, the first outing is you see the Batwing. Oh, the, yeah. In the first outing. I totally forgot about that, too. Which is pretty cool. Yeah, like when he like flies up through the clouds in front of the moon, it's the bat symbol, and then turns around and goes back down. I know that's that is an incredible like just like shot. It's so cool. Yeah, my only uh, thing about that that I do not like to this day is how the Joker completely destroys and shoots it out of the sky with like one bullet. Well, it's a very long gun. I know, but still, it's like what the heck. I don't know. I think it works. Yeah. See him crash it, then they go up the tower. There's some good. There's actually some halfway decent fighting up there. Yeah. And yeah, he throws that guy down the. That's another. Kill. Oh yeah, he throws him down the cl- like the uh, bell tower oh. all the way to the bottom. He's dead. Yeah. <laughs> like Commissioner Gordon, the bell falls to the bottom and blocks the cops' w- entryway. He like nudges it, it like twice. He's like, "All right, we're gonna figure out like, something else." Right, okay, let's go. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> something funny like that. 
Anyway, but then, yeah, it leads to the death of the Joker. Yeah. But good stuff, though. But then, yeah, bat symbol at the end. And so do you think, I don't know, do you think they revealed to Vicky Vale his identity too soon? What is it, like, maybe half, three quarters of the way through the movie? Well, they had known each other less than a month, I feel like. Let's just put it that way. Oh, yeah, I mean, like, they just make a deal where Alfred's just like, I think she's a very special person, and... You know, Bruce well, Wayne's right. like, oh, he's I like, think she's he's like you're just too closed off to life, to society. Like you just, you're just up in this huge place all by yourself. Well, I think that's Alfred's hail mary to make sure like Bruce doesn't just like drown in his own insanity. Yeah. Like, cause I think in the first movie, it is Alfred who brings her into the Batcave. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like his like, hey, like you need somebody else, cause you. Like, he's like, I'll help you with this, but, like, you're going to go crazy if you just, if this is all you do. Yeah, might have brought her in a little too soon, but I don't know. I'm kind of curious what happens to her. They don't really say too much. They they, they uh, make light of her a tiny bit in the next one, but yeah, still not really sure what happens to her. I guess and she just maybe couldn't handle the Batman lifestyle, so. Same with Rachel Dolls. Because she was also, like, visiting anyway from somewhere else, I forget, but, you know, wanted to take the job as the photographer that found Batman or something. Right. Anyway. All right. I think we've, uh, yeah, talked the first one good. Let's move on to Returns. So, yeah, the world's established. Batman Returns, yeah. Open up with the Cobblepots having a new baby. Pee-wee. Yeah, Pee-wee <laughs> and his wife having a baby penguin. Which is horrifying, and it eats a cat. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I'm curious, so... They don't really touch on his parents. What did they do? Like, they live in a giant house, too. Like, they live in a huge house. It's from what I know, it's like, they just come from, like, really old money, okay. essentially. So, it's just like, we're rich because our grandfather's fathers worked really hard. Like, we're the like cousins, the Rockefellers or something. Yeah, exactly. Like, they're just rich because they're super fucking rich because they come from old, old, old money. Yeah. And... And then Cobblepot, I mean, in like the cartoons and the comics, he's usually just like a very, like he's a very like business oriented person. Like he runs like a lot of black markets and stuff. So they're all very like conniving. So yeah, they kind of go an interesting route with this penguin, having him grow up in the sewer and yeah, basically be like part fish, part yeah, not fish monster, but you know, part he, he just penguin, like deformed. He's yeah. he, like he's like not part penguin, but he's deformed, so he kind of resembles flippers in his hands, which seem to be the only bird. Well, I guess him like the nose too. I guess his nose is very pointed. Yeah, <laughs> but okay, so the pointed nose, which you can look past, and just like the fused together fingers, not terrible deformations i guess but also then he eats a cat so maybe he's just rabid they make it sound like he's rabid when he's born yeah so they just Which. get rid of him so yeah his parents just go dump him in a river and or down the sewage he goes which also i'm like aren't you rich don't you have people to take care of this for you right <laughs> well that's explain how he grows up in the sewer i guess right because yeah, he's taken in by king penguins and raised as one of them essentially raised in a closed down zoo that somehow has a penguins just living there still? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> there are some things that don't make a lot of sense. There's some logic leaps, but it's just like it's. The kind of thing about this movie is there's some things like that that don't really make a lot of sense, but there's so much other stuff, good stuff going on that it's forgivable. Right. Because I really do like this one a lot. Batman Returns. I think I do like it better than the first one. Personally, yeah, I, uh, I like both of them. I think this one, the second one, is a little bit higher up there because. You get a bunch of interesting characters, but you get the penguin, 
And most definitively, you get Catwoman. Yeah, you get Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman. Which, which was... her Catwoman, one, is like, it seemed to get the relationship between her and Batman right. And also, we haven't seen another live-action Batman and Catwoman together since. Which is crazy to me, because he's such a big deal to Batman in every other form. Yeah, I mean, you get... Do they even call her Selina Kyle in Dark Knight Rises? Or they just... I know, they, I know she's Selena, and I think they do mention her name. Do they mention her? It's been a while since I've seen that. I know honestly, she's never honestly, she's I never agree. referred to as Catwoman though, which sucks. But I don't know. I I don't know because I actually I'm not gonna lie. I totally forgot she was in <laughs> the third one. Oh wow! I totally I t- wow. Okay, so yeah, I totally forgot. See, because I mean, like I just said, you haven't seen it since. You haven't really seen it right. Like I think it got recently the yeah. dynamic better than the dynamic between him and Catwoman. Because she's a jewel thief in that one, and they do fall in love in that one, but there's, there's, they never referred to her as Catwoman. Anyway, back to Michelle Pfeiffer. Awesome portrayal in this role. Yeah, absolutely. I love her as the, like, geeky secretary. Or, excuse me, assistant. Which, what does she call herself? You dumb corn dog. Yeah. She just calls corn dog, corn dog, corn dog. Yeah, <laughs> so she calls funny. herself a corn dog when she's calling herself stupid. I'm like, what the hell? It's so funny. But whatever. Yeah, I know. I I like her a lot, and like her, like j- like from being like a quiet. She's kind of like a weird, lonely woman, and then she gets killed and revived by cats. And <laughs> yeah, as as a kid, I never thought of her as dying, just like getting pretty banged up. Because I mean, she falls in those things, you know the what do you call it, the window? I know she falls like through like a little like canopy. Yeah, the window canopy is like those. She falls through like what three or four of them on the way down, kind of break her fall up a little bit. I don't. Know, I never thought of her as dead, but definitely banged up. And then yeah, the cats kind of help her come to. Yeah. So it's not really clear whether she's dead or you know she has nine lives. And that's another thing too is the origins of these two villains are very strange, both of them. Yeah, but I love that she just like turns into like this crazy person for a little bit, and then like after the first couple of days, she kind of like that that whole suit makeup sequence I love. Like when she gets home and just starts going nuts. Like it starts with her just like trashing her. Uh, not voice box. What do they call this? Answering machine. Answering wow. It's been a while since I've uh, used one of those. Answering machine. What's that? Well, Bash they used to have a box next to your landline. With a little miniature cassette tape in it, which <laughs> yeah. you'd have to look up what that is. Google image it. Yeah. It's but yeah, she bashes that and then goes to putting her stuffed animals down the disposal and then just, I like her. She's got this neon hello there sign. She knocks out the, uh, the letter so it says hell here. Yeah. I thought that was great. Like, I'm like, why did she just knock two? And then they do the outside shot. It says hell here. I'm like, oh, clever. That's cool. Well, I like that they didn't show it right away either. You didn't really see too much of what Yeah, you just see ones. her just like break two. She's just going nuts. Like, I mean, she's taking a paint to her walls. She's pictures. And she's just going crazy. And then spray, spray, spray painting stuff. But the, the elfin music going on during the sequence is awesome. Right. But yeah. One of the other things that I noticed, because she like is pulling stuff out of her closet and she has like this like black like kind of leathery raincoat is what it looked like yeah and then i'm thinking i'm like how did that raincoat make that entire costume because that's what it seems like she's tearing that apart and making it out of that and i'm like there's no way that raincoat made that entire costume but 
it's one of those just little suspensions, little poking holes. But I don't know. Well, and about it, I don't know. Maybe she had leather pants too. I don't know. We don't really see that. No, but I love the stitched up Catwoman costume. Yeah, I really, really like the look of that myself. And what does she say when she's done and she's standing from the window? She's like, I don't know about you, but I feel so much yummier. Yeah, something like something that. I know these characters are very sexual, <laughs> especially like what makes them Scatman. Yes, but then you get Cobblepot, and we're just like, ooh. I know. Well, <laughs> his first reaction when he sees her, there's like, when he's like, well, she's laying on the bed upstairs. She's like, all right, just the pussy I was looking for. I know, and again, like all of these went right over my head. But watching this, like with adult eyes, I'm like, oh my god, like there's so much. Someone in the conversation is like. Have us some lotion or hey, wait, ointment. Ointment. I got an ointment. <laughs> and you see him like reaching in the nightstand drawer. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> I know. It's just, oh. <laughs> I know. Like, there's just so much packed in there. The painting has so many psychotic lines, which I freaking love. Yeah. But it's just, I don't know. Love Catwoman in this. Uh, I love that she's just kind of mischievous. Like, you first hear she just. She whips like some mannequins' heads off, and I freaking love when the guys are like, they're like have their guns up, and then she just like whips them out of his hands. He's like, "Look, lady, we don't get paid enough for this. We're just gonna go, okay?" And he's like, "We our take home's like three hundred dollars." She's like, "You're overpaid." Then they just leave. She's like, Hit the road. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, which is just what is, who is she? Like, that is, I don't know whether open fire, or fall in love. Oh, oh my God, Jordan, like. So I know this this like thing is just all over the place, but when you said open fire, Gotham PD always shoots first, doesn't try and have anybody surrender or give themselves up. They just open a door, see people, and they just start shooting. That happens in both of these movies. Yeah. I yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to remember examples of the first one. I know in the second one they're like when they're on the rooftop and shoot Batman immediately without questions. Exactly. They're like, he just killed a guy. Just open the door, shoot. Yeah, a gal fell from a building. We don't know. Yeah, some civilian downstairs, da- downstairs, down the ground said Batman pushed the princess, which, how can he see from that far down? But anyway, right. let's just take his word for it and go shoot Batman <laughs> off the roof. Yeah, like no due process in Gotham. Just well, shoot What him. was the other part where they shot first? Um, there was another one in the Batman Returns where they shot first. I can't, I'm trying to remember now. Dude, I don't know. Like when the penguin, like everything fails and he's just like has nothing on him and he's just running away through the park. They're just shooting him trying to get him too which i'm just like i just think that's hilarious yeah that no matter every time they open a door they just start shooting that's pretty funny yeah so don't don't run across gotham pd ever no no like you have your hands up they're gonna shoot you right oh my god or just run really really fast yeah seriously or waddle they didn't they're not good shots they're like stormtroopers they didn't manage to hit the big round target that's like not running very fast through the park yeah <laughs> oh gosh <laughs> i don't know I, just... try, I do like this one more because i think you have a little bit more action you have more batmobile action like i actually love the opening sequence of batmobile racing through it and like shooting the guys off the motorcycles and then he puts the uh, these things out to shoot the guy that are knock the guys down from their stilts Oh yeah, and uh, he lights somebody on fire. That is probably my favorite use of the Batmobile <laughs> in this. Is he that um, like just lift that turns that, it that around? That lift thing, yeah, turns it around, does a one eighty, and then he just like ignites the engine and just blasts that guy in flames. I love yeah, it. Like, again, that guy dead. Yeah, <laughs> he's burned alive. 
Also, I love the part. It's on the ground, but where he, uh, the guy's got Michelle Pfeiffer, Celine Kyle, and he's got the taser up to yes. her. He's like, take one more step, and I'm going to use this. And he takes one of his utility belt things, shoots the like, brick wall behind him. He's like, ha, you missed. And he yanks the wall into his head and knocks him out. Which I love that because I love that Selena just like takes the taser. Then she's just looking around. She like uses it on the guy who's already passed out. And he's just like like just convulsing. G- then she's like, whoa. And <laughs> just like takes that with her. And I thought, I still think that's hilarious. That was a good part. There's some other good parts of this one. I'm trying to think some like trivia stuff of this. Like this was going to originally be written with uh, Two-Face. And that's something we haven't talked about is Christopher Walken is in this. There's a guy named Max Schreck. Right. Kind of a sleazy business owner. What is his motive? Wants to open a power plant to drain the power of Gotham? Right. So he wants to, like, make a... He essentially, like, his plan is just greedy businessman. Wants to make it look like he's helping. Because, like, they even mentioned they have a power surplus in Gotham. He's essentially just, like, wants to artificially create a higher demand for more power. What, what does the grown son sound like he hasn't passed the third grade? <laughs> I don't know. He sounds like one of Billy Madison's friends. He kind of does. <laughs> like it's it's kind of like what? He's like, come yeah. on, Dad. Come on, man. Everyone's waiting for you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, so like he's just kind of like a big greedy businessman that people love. So uh, I guess originally, so they were supposed to have Harvey Dent was supposed to return, which I think he was supposed to be basically in the Max Freck role. Harvey Dent was supposed to return, played by Billy D. Williams, and by the end of this one, he was going to get half his face fried and be Two Face in the next one. Which would have been awesome. And that would have been amazing. And then we got, what the hell is his name? Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy Lee Jones with like a purple, gross side of his face. Mm-hmm. I did not like that Two-Face design at all. No. But also that whole like the, the Gotham design like completely changes in those movies too. Yeah. Like it becomes like super neon, like weird noir. Yeah, everything becomes very uh, neon noir kind of look. Yeah, which... I mean, but yeah, that would have been such a better storyline, in my opinion. Like, I think I think it could have worked. You wouldn't have had Two-Face till the very end, so it wouldn't have been, like, overcrowded with three villains. Right. I think it would have been... I think it would have worked. I think so, too, especially because his charisma was way above Tommy Lee Jones. Now, I do think the charisma that... I can never remember his name, but the Harvey Dent guy that they got in the second... Uh, Dark Knight. Dark Knight. Aaron Eckhart. Yeah, I think that guy has a lot of charisma. He does, and he he, he, he was great for the role. I thought because he had a lot of charisma as Harvey Dent, and then at the end of that one, he's Two Face, and he's just all messed up now. And I thought that was pretty great. It's too bad that we kind of lost him at the end of that as well. Yeah, but at least we got to see him though. Yeah, I mean, like I said, both actors that they would have had had charisma. Sucks that Billy D. Williams. Didn't get to be Two yeah, Face. Though. I think because I think you could have you could have written it. But I think with him, you know, Harvey Dent in this instead of Max Shrek, right? You, just a few things you would have had to have changed, but not bad. And you could still overall have the Penguin. Now, as far as Penguin running for mayor, I don't know how that would have worked, but I uh, I don't know. I don't know. I think that's pretty interesting though. Like we're gonna overthrow. I mean, it's basically it was blackmail to the Penguin. Like, guess or it was Max Shrek. Because what what is Max Shrek's motivation for him running as mayor? What does he get out of the Penguin running for mayor? I guess other than like their buddies and he'll have control. More well, that's control. it. Like he, like the mayor doesn't like his idea for the power plant that they don't need. So he's like, "Well, you're black me, but if I get you to be mayor, then you're just gonna prove all the shit that I want to do, and that's it. That's essentially it. Like he'll just have. I'll have to find out who your parents are. 
Yeah, so he's like, that's essentially his angle for making the Penguin Mayor, so he could just pass through all this stuff that makes his life a lot easier and makes him even richer. I mean, that's all I can figure. Yeah. No, that make, makes sense. And I, I do like how they overthrow him with the uh, audio. <laughs> when he's talking to the crowd. Oh. Which, <laughs> so funny. When the Batman slides in his compact disc to record the audio from the Penguin. Yeah. <laughs> Which, back in 92, people were like, whoa, CD. Batman's got a CD in his car. That's crazy. I got CDs in my car. Mm, I don't know. Do they have them in 92? Yeah. Cassettes were still the main thing, I think, to the general probably. public. But, yeah, it's just... Yeah, compact discs in your car were luxury probably still back then. Yeah, I know. It's just so funny, like, all these, like, high-tech stuff. I don't know. I still love the scene when Penguin has is in his tiny little Batmobile drive remote control the real Batmobile. Yeah, that's pretty funny. And I still, <laughs> I, don't, I still think that's hilarious. That is also probably one of my favorite scenes because it's just so weird. Like he's just got his own little Batmobile like toy in his trailer well, driving. I around. like that whole scene, like when he's driving through all the cars and just knocking them completely out of the way. Right, which makes sense because he's driving a tank that's also angled, so like things just shoot off the side of it. Yeah, there is know. there is some good stuff there. Gosh, I'm trying to think here. Um, where are we at for time? Probably like an hour. Hour twenty five. Dang, gotta wrap that shit up. Yeah, we'll wrap it up soon. Here, I'm having fun talking about these movies. Trying to think of uh, what else have we talked about? I mean, I mean, we've just been jumping around so much. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about again. Keaton's great in this movie. I, he has more. I think there's more. I just like a lot. Is, I think he's even moving his suit, so there is a little bit more combat fighting in this. Not where I'd want it to be, but still a little more than the first one. Right. I love the scenes with him and Catwoman, like on the roof fighting. I think that's great. <laughs> like the one where he like knocks her over, and she's like, "How could you?" I'm a woman. And he's like, uh, starts apologizing. And then she just starts kicking the crap out of him. Yeah, that was amazing. And there's the, like, she stabs the side of him and cuts up, cuts through the, the his suit and you know gets him pretty good. And later on, when he's making out Selena Kyle on the couch, she puts her hand right there. And, you know, you see him like, oh, ah, ooh, let's not uh, touch there. Yeah. Also, when, something we hadn't noticed or mentioned in either of these movies yet, but Alfred in these movies, which I think they use this same guy who plays Alfred in like... He's in all four. He's in all of them. Okay. Same with Commissioner Gordon. Yeah, that's something I do remember, like two of the two persistent characters throughout these, but I do really like his Alfred a lot. Like, again, it's hard to... like. You have to keep coming back to Christian Bale. Like, I love Michael Caine. I think this Alfred actually is above Michael Caine's Alfred, though. Just a little bit. I, re- I don't know. It's just something I really like about how he talks to uh, like Michael Keaton in this. I just really like his Alfred a lot. Yeah, I yeah, I like them both equally. They're both my favorites. I like them both better than Jeremy Irons, who was still fine, too. Yeah, he's still fine, but it's just like, I think that it's just more just this, how the movie operates. And I do, I do like how you see in the second one, Alfred helping him out a little bit. That's kind of fun to see that stuff. Like... In their radio room? Yeah. Jamming James frequencies James. on CRTVs? Yep. <laughs> but still hey it's good stuff though like it is very end of the penguin stuff yeah uh, i'm trying to think here but yeah i like the rooftop scenes with batman and catwoman and i do like how they f- i like i love how they figure out each other's identity with the mistletoe right that's a, that's very clever 
It's a very nice thing to bring back around towards the end. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. And when they discover it, they're like, what is she? She's like, does that mean we have to start fighting now? Yeah, which I think is funny. And they're like, eh, let's take a walk. And then that's when Penguin, boom, crashes the party. Which thanks a lot, Penguin. If you hadn't done that, they probably would have gotten together. Right. They were headed to the uh, mattress sale room. Yeah, they, they find were. themselves a king size. Oh, man. Yeah, again, just everybody's super horner in these movies. Yeah. Especially this one. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Oh, one thing I didn't know till I looked it up today. The organ grinder. Or what do they call those? Jack Malai? No. I, I don't know what you're talking about. Or I know what you're talking about. I just don't know the word for it. Uh, what like the guy it? that has the monkey. the monkey? Yes. That guy... It's the same actor that plays Mr. Fargus in Fast Times at Richmond High, the science teacher. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Mr. Fargus is the the monkey guy. I don't know. <laughs> Part of the circus clan. Yeah, he just has like a minigun in a box. Yep. A little machine gun in a box. But yeah, same actor. thought that was hilarious. That is pretty great. I do like, I do like the end of this. I mean... Not much of a like huge climactic ending. I mean, there's not a really big fight between Penguin and Batman. I mean, let's be fair. Batman's going to kick the penguins, kick the crap out of the penguin. Oh yeah, easy. But I do, I do. Gosh, the, the, just, I think it's part of it's Danny Elfman's music. Just the whole ending sequence of the penguin like falling down to basically his watery grave. Yeah. And then he comes back up. I mean, he's barely alive still, pulling out the umbrellas, and then just. It just falls to the ground, and then the king penguins come out and escort him back to the water. I mean, the everything, the music and everything is just so good. Yeah. <laughs> During that whole sequence. I know, it is, and it just gives, like, everything that extra punch that it needs. It's dramatic punch. And I do like uh, Batman unmasking himself at the end. I really do like his talk to Selena, like, you know, like, let's just go home. Let's just go be together. Like, we're both weirdos and masks. Yeah, that's the only thing that doesn't make sense to me, is that's right in front of, like, Max Streak, like, before he dies at the end. But I'm just like, what are you getting? He's like, we're going to take him to prison. I'm like, how are you going to take him to prison now? Like, you just, he knows you're Batman. And, you know, you know like, I don't know. It was kind of weird. It's almost like he knew he was going to die. Yeah, like, if he didn't, like, the, at that point, like, Matt Shrek had to die. Or else, how how is he going to remain Batman? Right. I don't know. It's just one of those weird things. But, you know, it's just, again, poking little holes in it. Like, these movies aren't perfect, but they're still very enjoyable. No, yeah, neither one of these is a perfect movie, and they've got a few plot holes, I guess, question raisers. But overall, I enjoy them. I like seeing, I like, I guess, things they improve on from the first to the second. I do like the look of Gotham better in Batman Returns. They, I think they took a lot of things just to the next level. Definitely the set designs they took to the next level. Like I liked all the cool statues. Uh, I think the Elfman score is even better. I think... Michael Keaton has uh, adapted the role better in this one. Uh, yeah. If anything, it just feels like the Batman character has more, Batman himself just has more experience in the world right. of fighting crime. So there's that. More Batmobile action I like. I don't know. I just I think they took a lot of things to the next level in this one. Yeah, which also, yeah, they do. They bring It's a the, little darker. <laughs> which also just like baffles me more and more thinking about it, just how they completely abandoned that design after the Dim Burton movies. Yeah, well, part of it is they th- they thought Returns was just too dark, mainly for kids, even though it's not really meant for kids, but they thought it was too dark for kids. I couldn't even, like, sell Penguin toys, because, I mean, which, I don't know why you can't just get Penguin toys that look like the cartoon version. I mean, you can. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just... it's like, it'd be just as easy. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, I guess they just so uh, yeah they went a different route because they were originally gonna have Tim Burton come back for a third, but ended up just going a different direction. And <laughs> that's the thing is they promised a more creative. Lo and behold, Joel second. Schumacher comes on board and bat nipples are born. And there you go. I mean, it's to be fair, I've made this. If you're fighting Mister Freeze, your bat nipples are gonna be hard. Exactly. <laughs> so, I'm just saying. You're gonna have them no matter what. Yeah. Here's the good part though is like. Tim Burton kicked this all off. He took it to another level. Too dark for some, so they went in a different direction, and then they just they like the overcorrected, overcorrected, and dropped the ball completely, especially with Batman and Robin. Mm-hmm. But eight years later, it gave birth to Batman Begins. Yep, Art. slash the Dark Knight trilogy, exactly. and that I'm grateful for because I love that trilogy. <laughs> Absolutely, like if this is the only bat, if that was the only Batman we ever got, that would be just depressing we'd just be like yeah tim burton's obvious or tim burton's batmans are the best but so i'm glad that we live in a time where we get to look back and be like yeah those movies are so fun and enjoyable and then you get to come back over here and be like I'm, but we still have these nolan movies that are just like top notch movie making mm-hmm. yeah I, I hopefully i'm curious to see what matt reeves does with his batman movie his version of it i don't know who's gonna be cast now since affleck's out which, I'll be honest, I didn't mind him. I didn't mind him either. I just didn't like how they started with Old Man Batman. I was skeptical, but he ended up proving me wrong. I still wouldn't... I would love a Batman Beyond movie. Maybe use Kevin Conroy like as Old Man Batman. I don't know who you'd use as Terry McGinnis off the top of my head. but I don't know either. I'll paint Zac Efron. <laughs> no. Even he might be getting too old for that kind of role. Oh, I mean, well, hell, he just played Ted Bundy in a movie. Yeah, I know. I know. He's come a long way from High School Musical. Yeah. <laughs> but So, yeah, yeah but I think he's getting too old for that kind of stuff. I don't know who the hot new young actors are. I know. One of the Not things... that I necessarily want to go with the, uh, I don't know. If they're good and right for the role, fine. But I know. That's one of, like, the biggest, like, kind of bummers is that they didn't continue, like, what Nolan did. Like, Joseph Gordon-Levitt as, like, a Nightwing Batman character. I think he would have been perfect as Nightwing. Would have been pretty cool, yeah. I just, yeah, I think that would have been awesome. Well, anything else you want to touch on on Batman and Batman Returns? I mean, we've talked about quite a lot for a while now. No, I mean, like, I just, I'm just going to restate my favorite thing about Batman Returns is the back and forth between him and Catwoman. Like, it seems like that's really the only time they got that, uh, got that right. Like I said, I forgot she was in the third batman <laughs> but like i said like it just like it wasn't super impressed with her in that like anne hathaway was fine i guess she was fine they just it just didn't i, have I think that i think if there was a fourth movie that she probably would have been back and a lar- larger role and we would have seen character development like more of a arc for her right because she had the more modern Catwoman costume like more of like it like a jewel thief like kind of like a little utility suit mm-hmm which I like because that's usually what they go in the comics with is something similar to that. I don't know. But I'd, I'd still love these movies. I had a great time revisiting them. Yeah, I going f- and seeing these on the big screen with you was just awesome. So much fun. Yeah, we had a little small group on Saturday, but it was fun, just the two of us last night. Yeah. And yeah, it was just cool that uh, we got the opportunity to go see these on the big screen. And I know, I'd never seen If they any- have them again, I'm going again because it's, why not? I'm just waiting for somebody to do like a f- start playing the freaking dark knight trilogy 
in theaters again. I like, wish they did something like a f- couple months ago with a couple and that happened in a couple cities, but that was it. But yeah, I want somebody locally here to play at least the first two would be amazing. Well, I mean, I would like to like how they're doing this is space them out like on Saturdays, this Mondays, this one, this uh, like just do that, Every spread them days. out. Yeah. yeah, I would love to go see all of the Nolan movies on the big screen again. Would be amazing. But I know it's hard. It's hard to talk about Batman in a modern eye without mentioning Nolan. Like it's almost impossible. Yeah, which I'm curious to know what his next project he's working on is going to be. I heard about it. I just I can't remember what it was. But now, would you ever want to see a new Tim Burton Batman with let's say Michael Keaton as a aged Batman? And possibly a young uh, Robin or Probably Terry McGinnis. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I would love Johnny Depp to be the villain. I think Keaton. <laughs> I think Keaton would make a great old man Batman in like a Batman Beyond movie. Yeah, I mean, I could see something like that. I don't know. I don't, the budget would be insane. I think. DC has to earn our trust again. They kind of did with uh, Aquaman, but they got to really earn our trust again. Uh, he didn't earn. He didn't do me any favors with Aquaman, but I did like Shazam. No, but it made a billion bucks. But Shazam didn't make a billion dollars, so I don't know. Which sucks because that I think is uh, way more enjoyable. But Jason Momoa has a name in household recognition at this point. Yeah. So, so. that's that. Yeah, we'll we'll see what the future is like for Batman. Uh, hopefully, it's good. I don't know who who they're gonna cast next. I have no idea since Batfleck's out. I mean, it's one of those things. Like at this point, like I can't even get mad because whoever they cast, I'm just gonna have to wait and see. Because you know, like we mentioned, Michael Keaton got cast. People are like, "Well, this is stupid." Then it turned out amazing. I don't know how much back if there was any backlash with Christian Bale. I don't think so. I think it was pretty positive overall. And then, you know, Ben Affleck is Batman. People are like, eh, I thought, as far as, like, how Batman, how he presents Batman, and I'll be honest, they give they give him, like, some of the most hardcore Batman fighting we've ever they seen. Do. Yeah, no, I'll give him that for sure, especially in uh, Batman v Superman. They give him some really good scenes as far as fight goes. Yeah. Which you just don't get in these Tim Burton ones, but... Right, but, it, yeah, so that's not really a knock on Tim Burton. It's just no. how it's developed and how, like, you know, the suits actually have mobility now. Right. No, things have come a long way since 1989. Gosh, yeah, it's hard to believe 30 years ago. Yeah. But good stuff. All right, well, yeah, I guess why don't we wrap this up here. And, yeah, I think we've talked enough Batman tonight. I guess. I uh, know, I could <laughs> go on for a while still, I feel like. But, yeah, I think we've talked a lot. Um, Yeah. I give both these movies solid A's if we're going to grade them out. Love them. They're great. Yeah, they are. Everything from the production design to the score. Michael Keaton. Love it. All right. And I, I think the actors, as far as the villains go, all three of them are uh, great in their roles. DeVito, Pfeiffer, and Jack Nicholson. All of them, great. Yeah. Nailed it. Well, awesome. I guess, uh, I guess that's it for Batman talk. Yeah. All right. Well... Why don't you let everybody know where they can find us? Everybody can find us on Instagram and Twitter, movies underscore brews. We're most active on Twitter. And just let us know what you're looking forward to. If there's any big like movie anniversaries that you can think of coming up later this year and maybe early next year. And I don't know. Uh, just let us know what you think. Love Batman, hate Batman, overrated, underrated. Well, there's no such thing as underrated Batman. He's no Batman. Way. He's Batman. He's Batman. I'm Batman. <laughs> so, 
Yeah. And tune in next time on Movies and Brews. That's right. Yeah. If, uh, if you're on iTunes, leave us some five-star reviews. Those definitely help the show. Thank you for listening, and thank you for sharing the podcast with friends. And, yeah, we'll be back with a brand-new movie here next week, talking Detective Pikachu. Pika, pika. Pika, pika. <laughs> All right. That's it, and we'll see you next time on Movies and Brews. Cheers. Cheers.